0: Here, there we go. Uh, good morning. My name is Tyler Stowell, and uh, i part of the discipleship and teaching team here. Also, my wife and I serve with Athletes in Action, one of the external partners uh, for Jacobs Well. So, honor your father and mother. Kind of hard thing is most of the audience is probably down the hall in the Well Kids room. So, uh, just go tell them, hey guys, do what I say uh, because God said so. Which um, is interesting because mo- most most people whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, have probably heard this phrase, honor your, fa- honor your mother and I, honor your father and me. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things that has, because of some of the Judeo-Christian uh, principles that have been woven through our, our country's history, that's kind of just, that's one of those phrases that just kind of got out there and people probably don't even know where it came from. And as Jen Wilkin, author and teacher, pointed out, there's really only one argument that's uh, maybe more annoying than because I said so. And that's because God said so, and so uh, we're gonna. It, it's it's not it's not quite that simple. So we'll we'll talk about it and what it means. Um, in some ways, this seems like this would be rather simple, but it, it actually gets pretty complex. Uh, and the other reality is, this commandment wasn't written to the group down the hall. It w- it was given to adults. It was given to, to grown-ups who were then to teach their children, and as they grow up, would teach their children, and as they grow and on and on. But it wasn't first given to to. Uh, the little ones down the hall. So this this becomes uh, fifth, right? That's what fifth uh, fifth commandment. This is kind of the as as a lot of I read a lot of commentaries and talked to a lot of friends, um, talked to a lot of people. So I'm not going to be able to quote everybody, but just know I didn't really come up with any of this as if I would normally, anyways. A lot of sources here, but a lot of those commentators and scholars would say this is kind of the hinge point. The first three or four were about submission to God, we're about uh, honoring Him, and then we're going to turn and, and look at honoring one another. Mutual submission are kind of the, the last five, but then this one is about submitting to earthly authority. So if the first four are about submitting to God and His authority, this one's the transition to earthly authority and then to mutual submission to one another. That's kind of what, what this is. So let's put up that, uh, the actual commandment, Exodus 20, 12, I don't see anyone manning the monitor back there. Um, but Exodus twenty twelve is where this says, it has the actual commandment. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you in the land. As if it were that easy, God, thanks. Just, you know, here we go. We'll, we'll go do it. The problem is the, the passage that Joe read is the Pharisees at the time and we, still today, we do a really good job of using obeying God as an excuse to disobey God. And that's what was happening in the first century, in Jesus' time. The Pharisees were using this kind of idea of, oh, well, we'll just, you know, this money, we're supposed to care for our parents well in their old age, but we're going to give that to the temple, which is where we work, by the way, Though we're not going to let anyone think too hard about that. And, uh, and we'll be obeying God. We'll be honoring God. And let that be an excuse to really actually dishonor God and dishonor their parents. Because at the end of the day, honoring our father and mother, uh, that's how we honor God. That reflects the honor we have for God. And it's not just father and mother, as we'll look at for the next five commandments after this, that the way we treat one another very much reflects the way that we honor and look to God. And that was the problem with the Pharisees, is they outwardly looked like they were honoring God, but they were total jerks to everyone else. And Jesus was saying, there's a problem here. There's a disconnect. You can't use obeying God as an excuse to disobey God. So what does honor even mean? What does this promise in the land mean? That's what I want to talk about a little bit, and then I want to talk about why this is just really hard for us. So the word for honor there, in other other translations or other parts of the Bible, it's used for glory or to glorify, and, and the word that's tied to that is weight. The more glory that something has, the more weight that it has, the more impact it has on the world around us. A way to think about this is if you drop a ping pong ball in a pool, there's not a lot of glory. There's not a lot of weight. Not, not much is going to happen. But if you drop a bowling ball in a pool, we would say that that bowling ball has more weight. It has more glory. It's, it's going to impact its environment in a, in a grander way. So one way to think about this, one commentator brought up, whose words weigh more in your life, your parents or your Instagram followers? Who do you give more attention to? Who do you give more weight to? And so one way to honor our parents, is, or really anybody, is to listen. To listen to them. To trust that what they say is best. And isn't this what ultimately God would ask of us? That we would listen to him and say, yeah, God, you know best. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you say. Both directly and then through the earthly authorities that he, that he puts over us. So to, to listen. Children honor their parents and assume that their rules and chores and curfews are intended to bless them even if they can't see how. And at the end of the day, like, that's, where, that's, that's why we sin, because we don't see right here and now how this is best for us from God. So I'm just going to do my own thing. Or maybe we do see how it's best, and we just, we just don't care, and we do our own thing. So Ephesians, let's look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, that just speaks to this a little bit in the New Testament the Apostle Paul. He, he's, he's referencing this commandment. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. So for, for kids that are living in the household, honor looks like obedience. It looks like trusting mom and dad and saying, oh, I'm going to do, do what they say, right? So parents, you can go home and tell them. There you go. That's it. Done deal. If only. Verse four, though, parents, we need to be uh, worthy of that weight. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'll let you, moms and dads, just process on your own. How do I provoke my children to anger? Take a good look in the mirror and think, are there ways in which I do that that I don't even realize it? We want our kids to obey us, but we have to be worthy. We have to be worthy of that weight. The opposite of honor is dishonor, of course. Treating something weighty as if it were were light, as if it were not important. And I think this is one of the problems in our society today, that we just we minimize consequences. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing, this individualistic culture that, that permeates much of the Western world. And we just treat the weighty things as if they were not, as if it wasn't a big deal. That's where we, that's where we end up. And so in a, in a world where uh, people do most of anything they can to look young, to stay young, to feel young, treating, uh, treating our parents, which permeates all of the family of God, not just biological treating those that have wisdom and the crown of beauty of gray hairs that Scripture talks about, treating those with honor as opposed to treating the young with honor, that's a distinctly Christian practice that looks radically different. looks different now, and it, and it looked different even when this commandment was handed down in the land, which is the other part of this, this promise in the land, that it may go well with you. The idea is, Israel retained her freedom in the promised land when their sons and daughters obeyed their parent teachers. This was, of course, as we've looked at, Israel was brought out of slavery, the exodus from Egypt into the, into the wilderness, and God says, hey, here's how life is going to work best. Here's my heart and character reflected through these laws. If you do them, it's going to work out. Now, I don't think this is necessarily this kind of quid pro quo, tit for tat, like, okay, God, I did this, so where's my blessing? I do think that God does that at times, that there is kind of a direct blessing, but more often I think the blessing is just in doing what God says, right? Because wouldn't what God says be the way that life works best? So it would make sense that if we do that, it's going to work out pretty good. It's going to work out well, that if we live out God's way, listening to our parents, that it, would, that it would go well. If God tells them, and they tell us, there's a pretty simple chain of command there, that it would follow, that it would work out well for us. So, why doesn't it? Why is this a hard commandment? Here's how I want to kind of structure the rest of the time. A- anytime we look at scripture, uh, and I've even shared this up here before, there, there's a kind of a grid that I often look at to, to think, what does scripture say? What, I need to hear what it says, observation. I need to understand what it means, interpretation. And then I need to do something about it, application. And so I want to I kind of walk through those three uh, uh, categories, so to speak, and answer the question, why is this hard? Why is it hard to hear? Why is it hard to understand? And then why is it hard to do? And then we'll look at Jesus as one does and should uh, at the end here. So what makes this commandment hard to hear? Honor your father and mother. Two things that came to my mind. One is just the brokenness externally in the world, and the other is the brokenness internally in my and your own hearts. That's what makes this hard to hear. Honor your father and mother. Well, some people don't have a father or a mother or both. Uh, some people have a father and mother and hate their father and mother. Some people's father and mother hate them. Some people are totally estranged from a father and mother that they, that they used to love. We could go on and on. The brokenness that exists in not just our Western world but in, in the world uh, makes this really, really hard. Today's families are assembled I loved how commentator put this, assembled from the blistered shards of broken households. <laughs> whether it's absentee parents, estranged, whether there's bitterness, whether there's been abuse, at the end of the day, I love how my wife put this last night, actually, to me. We're commanded to give honor to imperfect people that don't deserve honor in the in the greatest sense. That's hard. That's really, really hard. And I and I know in, in my own uh, in my own sphere of life in my own extended family there's brokenness i know there's that brokenness in many of your lives this is hard these are painful things and i'm supposed to just because God said so I'm supposed to just give honor doesn't he doesn't he care what's happened to me where's the line of whether our, our parents deserve it or not that's all legitimate that makes this hard to hear and hard to do so what do we do with that what do we do with that For those of us that are also parents, what do we do when our parents or when our kids dishonor us? Children ought to honor their parents when they when they ask for what they need and they receive with thanks what is given to them. But again, do we as parents do we live up to that? Are we worthy of that honor? What what came to my mind was there's a great uh, there was a great prank I guess you could call it that uh, that Jimmy Kimmel did a number of years ago, where he uh, where he instructed his viewers to give their kids uh, a Christmas present a couple weeks early, but make it like a terrible Christmas present. Uh, he actually did this, uh, this was like five, six years ago. He actually did this a couple months before that with Halloween and said, hey, the morning after Halloween, tell your kids that you ate all their candy and film the reaction. And then you know, we'll blast them all over the social media and everybody will see and shame them one day. Uh, so turned out really well. It's a really, funny, it's a really funny video. These kids are just distraught over their, their parents lying to them. So there's a sermon there probably. Uh, but he did it again, he did it again with Christmas, and said give him, a, give him kind of a fake Christmas present, and then send it. And so it's worth watching, if you just go and search Jimmy Kimmel Halloween, Jimmy Kimmel Christmas, gift. It's, it's worth watching, not now, uh, but as I see some heads look down, uh, probably taking notes, maybe I shouldn't assume the worst there. But it's worth watching. So, but these kids though, right, like, I mean these are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids that are just, they open up these presents, and there's one that's a hot dog, like literally just... The inside of a hot dog, and this kid's like, "What?" And then the dog actually like comes over and takes the hot dog and runs away. It's like, oh, thanks. This is a great gift for me." Uh, there's a there's a half-eaten sandwich. There's like, yeah, just random groceries. They they swap um, like gendered specific gifts, and the, the, the little brothers open up these like My Little Pony things, and the the uh, I don't know what the the sister opened up, but these kids are just they're just distraught. Right, they're not thankful. They're not giving thanks. Here's a couple of the quotes of what they said. A girl who opened up a half-eaten sandwich. Uh, she says to her brother, I appreciate her getting us something, but I didn't know it would be like that. Uh, then this kid who opened up, uh, yeah, a boy opened up a nice sparkly sequin-covered Hello Kitty uh, sweater. Says, you stinking parents. I want a refund. Take this back. And later it comes back, you stupid parents. I hate you all. Not very honoring, not very honoring there. And then this is maybe my favorite one. It is kind of one that you got to see it, because just the tone of the kid's voice. Um, the, the parent's kind of playing it up, and, and she's like, we, we tried so hard to think about what to get you for Christmas this year. And the kid just, just bold face says, well, you didn't do a very good job. <laughs> so even if it's a fake Christmas present, we, we, we are prone to dishonor. Uh, and people dishonor us, what do we do with that? What do we do when we don't live up to the expectation and we give terrible Christmas presents? What does honor look like there? I love what Pete Scazzaro, pastor in New York City, we, we talk about him often, uh, says, 99% of us, we, we do a better job than our mom and dad did. Not in a bad way, in a like, we're gonna stand on their shoulders, we're gonna, we're gonna take the ball and move it farther down the field. And, and we're, gonna hand, we're gonna take the good things they did and we're gonna hand those on. of us do do a better job. And actually, when we look at maybe what our parents were given, not in a way to dishonor our grandparents, but when we look at what they were given, gosh, they did a pretty good job too. We build on that. And so I've been willing to say, Mom, uh, Amy, my mother-in-law, my dad who's in heaven, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. There is brokenness externally, but again, there's also brokenness internally, like those kids, right? We're just prone to dishonor. We're prone to, to look at the hard things, to blame other people, to say, this is a problem, this isn't right. And so not only are we commanded to give honor to imperfect people, we're just commanded to give honor to other people. And we don't like to do that. I would rather have honor. I would rather have people honor me than honor someone else. And I think a lot of what we do is, is we, we struggle with what uh, is called the good-bad split. Instead of looking at ourselves, instead of looking at others and holding intention that they are beautiful, made in the image of God, adopted children of God, if they're in Christ's family, and deeply broken and still in need of redemption, we don't hold those two together. We usually go all bad or good. And typically what happens as a child develops, at least in, in, a, in a secure household, they kind of view mom and dad as all good. They're, they're great. They're awesome. This is, this is excellent. And then um, we haven't gotten out of that phase yet, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself, but I know the teenage years are coming, right? All of a sudden it's mom and dad are Terrible people, and they hate me, and they want nothing to do with me because they gave me a hot dog for Christmas, right? Go all bad, and then we just go back and forth, and we do that with other people. And this is what one friend of mine, uh, who's in I don't know whatever the kind of twenty-something generation is uh, today, was. As we grow up, she was saying, we can have this tendency to kind of go all good or bad on mom and dad. And in this stage of life, she said, I it's really easy for me to go all bad because I see all the problems and. We have to sit in that tension. We have to recognize that we are broken, they're broken, but there's still beautiful things there. And the beautiful thing about this fifth word is that it it forms this counterculture within the family of God where brokenness can be restored, where broken biological families can find a safe place to begin to experience the wider family of God. And that's what begins to redeem the brokenness that we experience, which is a beautiful thing. So brokenness externally and internally make this really hard to hear. What makes it hard to understand? Uh, there's a couple things. The cultural context in which we live and the fact that, that children grow up. And this was probably one of the, the hardest things about this topic is there's like a billion different ways to apply this and I had to try to discover a lot of those and that's a lot uh, if you add it up. And so I, I reached out to a, a handful of friends, uh, like I mentioned, from walks of life. One friend of mine, uh, single 20-something girl, another pastor friend of mine uh, who is, I think uh, he's mixed, African-American, Puerto Rican. His wife is African-American, Dominican. They have, young, they have young kids, but they also have aging parents. We talked about this some. Uh, talked to even Pastor Minoj and, and Bina here as, as they have adult children and aging parents. What does that look like? Different cultures. It was really insightful, but it's really, really complex in how to flesh this out. This pastor friend of mine, was saying for his wife in a Dominican culture growing up, often one of the kind of regular things is to give, as you get older, to give a stipend to your parents as a kind of supplement, financial assistance, thank you kind of thing. Whereas he, So that was his wife. Where he's, he's saying for me, my mom was working three jobs when, she was, when I was growing up, and it would have been very dishonoring for me to say, here, mom, let me help you out a little bit. That would have been a way to almost minimize her effort and her work. So when they got married, they had to figure out, what does this look like now? How do we honor mom and dad? That depends. For some, another commentator brought up this week, for some it might be very, very honoring to put aging parents in a nursing home and actually get them professional medical care round the clock. For other cultures, that would be utterly scandalous. Absolutely not would we do that. It depends on the culture and the context. And I think this is important, just as a slight side note, this is important for just reading scripture in general, that we remember that that. Uh, we can't suspend time and place and language and culture and historical context when we read Scripture as if somehow it transcends that. Don't hear me saying the wrong thing. It's a, obviously a sacred, transcendental text, but God also did give it to a very specific group of people at a specific time, in specific places and eras of history, and he spoke into that. And that's important, that we recognize that. Some of the laws that he gave, right, the Ten Commandments, don't forget that those are just the first ten out of about 600 right? Some of those laws, if he were giving us today, or if they had the technology we do today back then, there might be some different things. Maybe there were uh, food laws that would change because we have the ability to clean food a little bit better today than they did four or 5,000 years ago. Maybe there would be some other of those ritual cleansing things that wouldn't be as hard in the desert, in the wilderness, <laughs> without running water, right? I'm not saying that the, the, the scriptures of God, don't hear me minimizing it or saying that it should be changed or whatever, but just the idea is God recognized the current reality of people's cultural context and he gave them the things that would help them live out what Jesus says are the most important to love God, love other people. All of those other ones flowed from that for a specific people at a specific time. So it's not just okay, it's good and right that we consider what's my ethnic background, what's my family background, what is their background, who else has spoken into this, what's happening in our world today, how do we apply this thing out? We need to consider that, it just makes it really... Really complicated, especially when we consider the family of God as a whole. So yes, honor father and mother, but also again the elderly. What does that look like? Proverbs talks about the the crown of the righteous is a, a head of gray hair. There's a lot of wisdom in this room. There's a lot of wisdom in the family of God as a whole. What does it look like to honor that? Again, I, part of it I think goes back to listening and trusting that those that have walked before us know a little bit more than we think they know about what they're talking about. The other thing that makes us hard to understand is that children do grow up. Like, this is the point. This is the point. Allison and I are about to have our third kiddo here in, I don't know, a couple weeks probably, so you can pray for for us. I know we're not the only ones that are having kids, but uh, there's a six-year gap, and the six-year gap exists because there's a a year-and-a-half gap between the first two. So, um, we're jumping back in here. But the idea is, pr- automatically, as soon as this little one is born, she will be less dependent on Allison than she was previous to that. And yes, there's, there's importance in bonding and attachment, especially throughout the first year, but pretty much after that, it's, it's a movement towards independence, a healthy independence, but it's a movement toward like, children are supposed to grow up. And this gets messy in certain ages and seasons and phases of life as we as parents wrestle with how do we give them enough independence but still uh, empower them and hope that they trust us. What does all that look like? I think the longer I parent, the more I realize, the less I know. Uh, And so, got that going for me. But there is a movement at some point, and I would say for those of us maybe in the, the middle generation, as we become adults who still have parents but begin to become parents ourselves, there is this movement from obeying to honoring. Right, again, children in the household, obedience, that's pretty, pretty much it. But then what does it look like to honor? That does. It gets complicated. It gets messy. Especially as we maybe begin to discover the ways in which we have experienced brokenness from our families of origin. That's a real thing. We talked about that. We talk about that a lot in some of our discipleship courses. Emotional 101, relational 101, those things exist. We need to uncover that. Yes, there is brokenness inside, but there's also brokenness outside. How has that impacted us? So we look at that. And yet, repeatedly, I looked at, I, I saw people that said, I've grown softer for my parents as I've gotten older, as I've realized how hard it really is. And I can attest to that. I can attest to uh, when Alice and I first got married, kind of thinking, yep, here's the ways that we've experienced brokenness, and we're not going to do any of that, and it's going to be really easy because, gosh, I can't believe they made those mistakes and then had several wake-up calls since then, that it's really hard, and there is, a, there is a compassion that comes from that. One, one uh, scholar said I read this week, uh, when we ourselves become members of the middle generation and observe how our own children are no different than we were at their age, suddenly the deficiencies in our love towards mother and father hit us with force. Amen to that. And yet, honoring doesn't mean, as we grow up, that we agree with our parents on everything. One of my friends said that to me this week. It doesn't mean I agree with them on everything. But it does mean that I, I don't intentionally try to push their buttons on the thing that we do disagree with. That if that topic comes up, I treat them still with grace and honor, and I don't intentionally bring it up just to get a rise out of them. That's some solid wisdom. That's some solid wisdom. There's a way to disagree without letting them know that you, <laughs> you disagree. Why? We, don't, we don't have to do it that way. But we are to grow up, and parents, we have to let our kids grow up. Parents are for the children, not children for the parents. So how do we honor our kids as we let them grow up? I don't really know, so if you do, come tell me after. <laughs> what makes it hard to hear? What makes it hard to understand some of those things? What makes it hard to do? Well, it's all that stuff. It's the brokenness, It's the cultural context. It's the fact that kids are supposed to grow up But a couple of other things, what makes it hard to do, we just, we do just think we know best. Like I mentioned, we just think, yeah, I got it. I can figure it out. We minimize consequences. This won't be that big a deal, the whole weight thing. But honoring parents includes acknowledging their maturity and wisdom. This is just, this quote's just worth reading. Younger people prefer their own way of doing things, but should be careful not to act as though it's easy to do better than one's forebears or assume that new ideas are automatically an improvement on old ones. Yes, there are good things to take from mom and dad. There are, there are things to leave behind. But it's not just an automatic. This is a new idea, so it's better. We don't know best. And then I, I would call this short-sightedness. We have, we have short-sightedness. We forget the, the back end of this command, that there's a promise. And we think, well, right now it's not that big a deal. And it probably will still go well with me if I don't do what mom and dad said. And part of that problem is, Mom and dad didn't teach very well after this command. And so they didn't honor father and mother. They didn't teach their kids this command. And over time, it unraveled rather quickly. That's the book of Judges, if you want a deeper dive onto that, where it just ended with, and everyone did what was best in their own eyes. End of book. That's never going to go well for us, right? Just pick any any one of these commandments. And think about how we as people have done with it. And, and that's just evidence that we don't know best. We don't know better than God does. Even just last week, you can take the Sabbath and the idea of rest and work rest rhythms. Right? Look at our world today. Just this part of the country, between Philly and New York City. We don't do very good at that. And is it going well? No, it's going awful. It's terrible. The mental, emotional, spiritual health crises because we just work, work, work 24-7. The city that never sleeps. Right? Let that be evidence that when we do our own thing, it's not going to work out for us. And the other piece is short-sightedness, both looking forward, thinking this isn't a big deal, and forgetting to look back. In Deuteronomy, a couple of, a couple of books later, about 40 years later, Moses is recounting, r- shortly before he dies, he's recounting to the people of Israel the story of God and, and the story of their exodus, the story of their freedom. And he ties the commands to this. And he says, somebody, I think, brought this up even a couple weeks ago from up here. And, he, and he, he says, hey, when your kids ask you, why do we have all all these rules and commandments and statutes, mom and dad, what's up with all this? You say, well, just because God said so, and that's it. No, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and God brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and all these signs and wonders, and he brought you into this land. And then he said, here's how to live life. He grounds the whole thing in the freedom that God first gave his people and then shows them how to continue to live in this freedom. So we have short, but we forget that. We forget how God has been faithful in the past. We don't look ahead and think about the future consequences, and we don't look back and see what God has already done. And then we get frustrated when we, when we obey our, our parents or honor our parents in like the smallest way and think, God, where's my blessing? What in the world? And we're back to that quid pro quo thing of like, how come, I don't understand. The blessing is just in living out the commandment. So some some practical things that I think would be helpful. A handful of of practical things, and then we'll look at Jesus. How do you honor mom and dad? One, wade through the challenges, wade through all that, but then I think it's just ask. That was some great wisdom a friend of mine gave this week. Ask, what would be honoring to you in this season? And then stop talking and listen. (laughs) Ask them. Maybe it's asking the question, and I did this this week, it wasn't very fun, but to ask, how have I dishonored you? Mom, dad, what is it? What are the ways in which I haven't shown you honor? Would you be honest enough to tell me that? And then own it and ask for forgiveness. So ask. Secondly, time. Uh, the, when I, A chaplain of mine when I was in college used to always say, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. And so time. This is hard. Kind of because of the last commandment. We, don't, we have only so much time and we got things to do and stuff to get done and all this. It's hard to just take time to be with our parents, whether that's biological or, or not in the family of God, but spending time. One, it's probably going to be worth your time, right? If they, have, if they really have the wisdom that God's word says they do, you're probably going to walk away with some nuggets. But spending time, both being intentional to go to uh, mom and dad, again, whether that's biological or not, but also to invite them in. That was another wisdom that a friend of mine gave me who, who lives not close to, to their parents being intentional to invite them in and say, hey, here's what's going on this week. right? She, she said, I know that that brings them honor. They like, they like that. That's hard for me. I don't, do, I don't do a great job of that. That's one where I need to keep growing. Asking, time, affirmation, actually saying thank you, not just buying the card at, at uh, I guess we're Target fans here, Rachel, not just buying the card at Target for Mother's or Father's Day, but writing something out, saying thank you, affirming, how they have actually... The good things that they've done in your life? Perhaps it's also preservation. That was another great word I got this week. In a situation where it, it's one of the more broken experiences of parenthood in your life, what is it really like to preserve the relationship or to preserve the memory of the relationship? Not, not in a, a, a sugar coating or disingenuous way, but to preserve what is there that can be good that you can pass along to, to your kids or others. Because this is a great, this is a great line. Honor is not about the other person holding up their end of the bargain. You can honor whether the other person has held up their end of the bargain or not. Now, again, that doesn't ignore the brokenness and the pain that may have been caused, right? Bring that to other people in God's family in a a non-gossipful way and seek healing. Those are great things. Counseling is awesome. But what does it look like to still honor even if the other one doesn't seem very worthy of it? Physical or financial assistance, certainly that can be a part of it. As, as parents age, there can be great beauty in that. Think about, like for those of us in, in my generation, like think about how hard it would be to ask your kids for help, right? If your parent has ever done that for you, God bless them for that courage. And then help as able or point them to places where they can. And then lastly, yeah, just to consider the cultural, the cultural nuance, just to recognize, especially if perhaps you're in a, a, a multi-ethnic family, right, if you're in a, a, a biracial marriage uh, or more than that, what does that look like? You got to have those conversations with those in your, in your household, in your family. Lastly, it's worth looking at Jesus um, for lots of reasons, some perhaps obvious, some not, but um, just, yeah, just how Jesus cares and how he honored his parents. He was in a blended family of sorts. Uh, what does that look like? Well, on the cross is where we see him, maybe the best picture of him honoring his mother, right? As he's literally in his dying breath, the hours he spends on the cross, his mother and probably his closest friend, John, are standing there watching, and he looks at both of them and says, hey, you guys, you're you're a family now, more of a family than you've already been. John, take care of her. Mom, this is your son now, right? Love him as you've loved me. And and yet, here, this is... I mean there's a whole lot here too but like he was a perfect child. I don't really understand what that means cuz he still had to grow up and he stubbed his toe and fell on his bike and you know spent too much time on the screen and all that, right? But like he was a perfect parent or a perfect child of an imperfect parent. Like that had to be frustrating for Mary. And yet he still he still honors her. That whole father forgive them for they know not what they do like yes, that was pretty directed at the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers that were actually crucifying him. But that, that, I would say, applied to his mom as well. His mom was a sinner. And yet he still honors her. He still shows her grace. He still cares for her in her old age. And then Jesus perfectly obeyed and honored his heavenly father, which is a beautiful thing, and, and the model that we have to follow. And yet, because we're going to fall short, it's also the means by which we have a shot at redemption and grace and forgiveness and healing from all this brokenness. And yet... What's interesting is it didn't go well with him in the land, I would say. Uh, In in honoring his father perfectly, he was obedient to the point of death, and he was crucified in the land. And this is where we, we zoom out and consider the bigger picture, the eternal perspective, right? Some might argue, well, Jesus knew that he was going to be resurrected. Like, okay, even if you know you got something good on the back end, I don't want to stare down the cross. No thanks. And and God ultimately does exalt him, though, and raises him back to life so that it would go well both with Jesus and with us in the heavenly land. That's the ultimate hope and the promise that we have here, is regardless of the brokenness that we have experienced, there is a hope and a future that we have. To begin to experience redemption here and now, but also because Jesus perfectly honored his father, that we will one day, that it will go perfectly well with us in a perfect heavenly land. So, today, what does it look like? What ultimately brings a parent the most honor? As I talked with another friend this week who has adult kids, just processing through, I think I asked, like, hey, what would this look like? And it wasn't a, a plaque on the wall or a pat on the back or for them to do a podcast about how great of a parent I was. The answer was, I think most, I just would really want them to walk with, walk with God wherever they are. And I was struck by that. I thought that was really cool. And, and we kind of processed, and I was, just, I was saying, you know what? I think, one, I appreciate your humility. That's great for me. I probably should tweak my answer a little bit. Um, but as I was thinking about it, like, it, it just comes back to how do you honor? You listen. You listen and trust. You trust that what your parents say is best. You wrestle with it when it's not. You you grieve that maybe they don't always know best. But I think that's that's how we most honor God, by trusting him above all, by having no other gods before him, by having no idols that we would make, by choosing to rest and honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, by all of the other ones that we're going to look at the next few weeks, by not profaning his name and how we live, but by honoring it and trusting that his way is good and better than any others and truly best for us. That's how we honor our Heavenly Father. And in turn, we move towards honoring the earthly mothers and fathers that he has put in our lives. That it may go well with us, both in this life and in the life to come. Let me pray for us as the band comes up. Lord, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the law. Thanks that you gave it to us. Thanks that not only do you give us the law, but now you've given us your spirit because of Christ, that we can understand the law, that we can, that we can understand your heart behind it, that we can know you more, and then that we have a shot to not just know your will and understand your will, but then actually go do it, to live out your will. God, thanks that that happens only by your grace and only by your spirit, Jesus. I, I pray that for, I, I would assume all of us in this room have experienced brokenness, in our families. Jesus, would you, uh, would you let us know that you see that this morning and that you desire to bring redemption and grace and healing that we might pass along and, and just move things farther down the field for our own kids, that they would pass it along, that they would pass it along. Lord, would we do, uh, as parents, would we do a job well done teaching our, our children to honor? And for those of us as children, would we honor our parents, our fathers and mothers, uh, We trust you for that, Jesus, and we do look to you as the one who perfectly lived this out. As an example to us, but also on our behalf, because you knew we couldn't. So thanks for the grace that stands before us. In Jesus' name, amen.